let's dive into the muck and trash infested waters of Tokyo Bay as we fight pollution with good old fashioned kicks to the head and one of the most innovative and maybe disgusting Godzilla movies in the series. This is Kaiju versus History, Godzilla versus Hetera. Welcome back to Kaiju vs. History. This is your leading environmentalist scientist, Miles, and joining me is a hippie with a fish head, Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing this week? Hello, how are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. We've got two, interestingly enough, environmental kaiju films back-to-back, which I didn't really know that. It's hard for me to match up what Godzilla movies and what Gamera movies came out year to year, but it's so weird when they, they're they they're so similar like this, you know? Well, you know, the, kai, the kaiju, especially in Japanese like films, they it started off that way. I mean, Gojira is kind of an environmentalist kaiju film. Mm-hmm. Like, the roots are there, and so for Gamera to kind of float on it at the same time that, that I mean, this has been the air. We've talked in a couple of films about how these movies are starting to talk about climate change and pollution and things that will take up a lot of room in 70s conversations. And so for both of these franchises to do so makes sense. This was kind of in the forefront of people's minds. I will say one of these is not like the other because (laughs) Godzilla versus Hedera handles this pretty amazingly. But before we get into that, Patrick, I need you to tell us what's in a title and at some point how does it involve frankenstein <laughs> yeah so this movie came out in the u.s and maybe you had heard of it as a different name as godzilla versus the smog monster it's a fine title or a fine kind of uh change up from the the monster's name but it was simply released in 1971 in japan as gojira tai hetera godzilla versus hetera Lots of different titles all around the world kind of playing on the the toxic aspect of Hedera. In Spain, it was Hedera, the toxic bubble, which is... I think Mexico got it probably the most correct. What's that? The Godzilla against Monsters of Smog. Yeah, the Monsters of Smog is an interesting one. Obviously, in West Germany, this is Frankenstein's battle against the devil monsters. As, as you do. Again, one day we might dive into this aspect of the the kaiju cinema <laughs> the netherlands satan's creature <laughs> for some reason when when this was that might be there. my favorite just because i'm a horror movie person but like i mm, no no i mean trust me i i i love i love the energy in, in terms of how we feel about pollution, but just just write it in, Netherlands. <laughs> write it in. Right. So when was the first time you had seen this film? So, I, I mean, certainly I knew this movie. And this movie has a, a history, at least in the United States from when I grew up, as being stupid. This was, this was called Godzilla versus the Smog Monster. And as a kid who grew up in the 80s and 90s, the novelty of that concept had worn more than thin. So it was just considered silly. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched this probably on the sci-fi channel on a Saturday afternoon. And I remember thinking like, Hey, this, this is not bad. Like, I mean, this movie was made fun of aggressively in the nineties in the United States, mostly because of the U S title. But I think part of the issue is, you know, we we had these these dubs. We didn't have the uh, a lot of these dubs were also extremely edited, sometimes mm-hmm. by ten full minutes. Although I will say, in the case of this movie, a ten minute edit probably could have really helped. But we often didn't get the full breadth of what these movies were doing, and and it's it's certainly the the case in the in the Heisei era with uh, the Return of Godzilla. 
But with Godzilla versus Hedera, like I knew this to be a silly movie. I, I knew this to be a movie with the cloud with eyes. And I and I didn't really understand the weight of this film until I was old. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about you, Patrick? What, I mean, what when did you first watch this movie? You know, I, I think I'd seen it along like you in, in shorter kind of edited versions or bits and pieces. I do remember kind of, I guess, buying into some of the the shortcomings that were often bandied about for this movie. It was the trippy Godzilla movie. It was the one that didn't have the classic Godzilla soundtrack and was was out there. It was by a young upstart. Darn upstarts. Uh, Yoshimitsu Bano is the director and not Ashira Honda for the, the first time in, in, in a few films, even though Jun Fukuda had done multiple Godzilla movies at this point. But yeah, someone else had taken over Godzilla and gotten it wrong is, is what I think I had heard. So maybe I saw this in high school or, or college, but I didn't give it that much of a chance. And I wasn't really comparing it to some of the other movies, but I, you know, my personal experience from movies of that era, like Gigan and uh, what comes after Gigan? Uh, uh, Megalon. Megalon. Yeah. Megalon. Me- those are the two like really silly ones. And this one felt a little different from those. I was like, does this really fit in with this series? But upon rewatching it, every time I've rewatched it, I've liked this movie a little bit more. Yeah. Because no, it does I, stand out I, and it does have its own kind of voice. I'm I'm the same way. And I mean, we've recently lost the director of this film, which is really sad because he became an executive producer on all the legendary picture Godzilla films, which mm-hmm. I think is why those films are so good. Mm-hmm. Like you had, you had people who were part of Godzilla's lineage and King of the Monsters was dedicated to his memory, obviously along with Haru uh, Nakajima. But I feel like this is somebody who absolutely understands Godzilla or, or Gorge, Gojira to the core of the character. I feel like this is the most Godzilla film since 1954 in, in a weird aspect in yes. terms of responding to humanity's impact on the planet. I, I agree with you there. I think Hedera might be the best Showa era monster or threat. Yeah. In, in my I'm opinion. And because, like you said, he does kind of mirror the original Gojira in a lot of ways. It was like this. I, I don't think I think there's some readings that kind of see this as he, he came from outer space or something. But to me, it does feel like he is created and fed by our own, you know, trash and, and smog and, and things like that. So he is a, a yeah. another consequence of of our our hubris of our <laughs> industrialization and things like that and you know this is almost well this is like 17 years after the original gojira and it, it's it's doing a different take on on a, a very similar story i love Hedera. uh <laughs> this movie I, I, I do too and like this director died wanting to make godzilla versus Hedera 2 like he had mm-hmm. wanted to make this since this film and yeah, and unfortunately, we did, he would not live to see the 50th amazing anniversary short film from last year. Yeah, yeah. the 2021 <laughs> Godzilla Day short, which was filmed with all kind of practical effects. It was shot in outdoors in in daylight, and and the the making of was was really amazing. I got to see it at Godzilla Day this year on the the big screen. So jealous, <laughs> and it. It it blew me away, and the audience absolutely loved it as well. And it was so interesting to see that style done with modern cameras and, and directorial styles. And it makes you realize it's like, oh, they could easily, easily do this completely, <laughs> you know, non CG, do it completely practical uh, once more. And yeah, it was great to to watch that and then go back in and watch this original film and try and, and look at some of the the physical practical effects that they they did for for this movie. Some outrageous things in this movie, Miles. Yeah, I mean, first of all, hetera rules. Like the hetera concept and the way they execute in this film is a masterstroke. 
and they do yeah. some stuff that like honestly not since 1954's Gojira have we seen we see the we see people absolutely like murdered by toxic sludge mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, and people just falling over dead in, in places. There's the there's like a mahjong game that gets the the room gets like flooded with sludge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of the grossest things mm-hmm. in this or gamma. Also, movies. a lot of eye violence in this movie. Like a lot of people's mm-hmm. eyes get taken out in this movie, including our our character Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, one of the main characters gets an assassin acidic blast to an eye and is bandaged the vast majority of the the film but yeah hetera is at first just like a little miniature microscopic life form and i was trying to look at it has like what the talk about the little black tadpole uh yes well it has before that i think it was just found like in sludge in the the ocean but it goes through like four distinct evolutions in the Mm -hmm. film which is not something we've really seen before in any kaiju movie we've we've definitely had kaiju growing up but i was trying to think i was like this is this is yeah this is the first time we have like forms yeah the most inventive i think i think the the only time until destoroyah well, I was about to say, Destoroyah definitely takes takes from that, um, you know, to a lesser extent. Maybe some of the the, the Gamera villains uh, in the the Heisei period, but yeah, mm-hmm. this is this is something completely interesting and and I think new for for the Showa era. And I like every single form and every single model that they made for this movie. <laughs> They're all incredible. I mean, uh, the like, flying one, the flying stage is a little goofy, but yeah, but like that. So here's the thing is like, what makes this different than like last week's film is like, even though it's goofy, they go all in on the concept and they don't mm-hmm. flinch. And so, yes, even though the flying little smog, like cloud with eyeballs is goofy, <laughs> they, they don't, the movie doesn't flinch. The yeah, movie doesn't it, wink at you. And because of that, it works. Also, it looks dope. <laughs> Yeah, it was a maybe a a little ahead of its time, but then when you get to a very similar design <laughs> and look in Godzilla versus Godzilla two thousand, where where he fights Ogre, Orga, Orga, yeah, yeah. and th- that flying version of the the monster just doesn't work as well mm-hmm. as Hedera. Uh, Hedera in tadpole form, we's menacing the oceans is, is also very good but yeah <laughs> it, just because he's like steam rolling over these ships it's it's great because he's just like wah, wah. the <laughs> the 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 final form where he just kind of looks like a marvel man thing made out of black sludge love the eye design there's something it's definitely great. very repressed and sexual about the the design of it it's ice slits they're they're vertical and they're evocative of uh, an aspect of human anatomy i don't want to mention but uh love watching you squirm they were intentional for for sure i think on some of these designs and there's just so many gross aspects to the suit heteros powers we could have an entire episode we're just talk about and in the design aspect of this this monster but that is the main threat of this movie, and I mean, it, it doesn't rewrite the script for Godzilla movies. We have scientists, we have military working together to try and stop this plot, but we also have a very friendly to humans Godzilla helping as well, because there's all it takes is one scene in this movie, and that's when Godzilla looks out to the, the like, islands of trash in tokyo bay and then immediately starts vaporizing them with uh, <laughs> with his atomic breath like oh how dare you <laughs> this is where well, i live so this this certainly is the, the 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 full come around of godzilla as a superhero mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and what i think is interesting about this this film even though it doesn't always completely land and, and, and this is what i was talking about in this episode, I, I referenced it last week, that this is, it feels like what a Gamera film is supposed to be, because mm. a lot of this movie is 
through the aspect of our child protagonist, Ken, who like we have like dreams and ideas that are done through animation to articulate that, which is interesting, even if it doesn't always completely land. I think that the the child outlook is a smart way to try to kind of combine the aspects of, oh, we're going to do some adult storytelling, but we're also going to tell this aspect from the perspective of the child. And even even in the dreams, like I love that like when he wakes up, it's like, oh yeah, Godzilla's gonna come clobber this guy. I, <laughs> and that's the yeah. specific verbiage they use. And I'm like, I I like this kid. This kid's yeah. awesome. You know, putting him into that gamma role works so well. When your competitor is doing something great, you borrow or steal from them. And even down to better. <laughs> well, some people hated that it, it took a less serious tone and, and the next few mu- movies would follow suit. They hated Banner so, for, for what he did. His memoir. So, so, so uh, I, I do want to say, yeah, we, we talk about this and I, I, that's what makes me curious about specifically in the West, how the chronology of how people saw these movies, because mm-hmm. how is this a less serious movie than all monsters attack? Monsters Attack. Well, All Monsters Attack also had like it was rooted in reality and a very depressing form of reality. But sure, but that was it's happening like, in a child's mind. It's a child. Yeah, exactly. This 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 complements that movie so well. Even Destroy All Monsters. Like mm-hmm. it's. I mean, from from Son of Godzilla, I feel like we have kind of gone on a certain path. To me personally. Godzilla vs. Hedera is riding the tr- like riding the like the train. Mm-hmm. It's it's correcting the path. And <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with you there. It's it, like I said, they they got a, a fresh breath of air with a new director in in a lot of ways. But people hated uh, Yoshimitsu Bano for some of the changes that he made. You know, not the least of which was Godzilla was able to fly in this movie by <laughs> looking okay. backwards and so, shooting his atomic breath out of his mouth. So so, uh, he, so here's the thing about ba- that. Hold on. Um, Bano's, Bano's biography, by the way, came out a few years before his death, was called The Man Who Made Godzilla Fly. That's that's how important that aspect of the movie was. I low-key love it. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> not, it's a gamma move. Gamera can fly in a it very a similar move. fashion. Yeah, This is the best gamma movie of the Showa era. <laughs> I, I might agree with you there. It is it is pretty crazy. And you already mentioned the 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 actor who played the the child in the movie or Ken. He was great in this. I yeah, really no, like he again. Here Yuki he's, he's a good kid and a good kid actor. And mm. when you write an actual character instead of quote unquote the child, you get a good performance because this is a far cry from the two little. I can't say that word on the podcast. <laughs> the, the two little children we had last week. Mm-hmm. Hiroyuki Kawase as Kenyano is yeah. fantastic. And yeah. he's also written very well. This is a kid who believes in Godzilla. This is a kid who doesn't do anything outside of what a kid would do, but also is not written stupid. Like mm-hmm. that's what I, that's what I love about this, this movie is unlike last week where they wrote down to the audience. It was like, no, we have a message. And yes, we know our core audience is kids. So we are going to do some fun superhero stuff. Like Godzilla is going to fly in a very dumb fashion, but also going to be kind of sweet. <laughs> but we're going to give it to you straight. And I think that's the masterstroke of this film. Because they don't sugarcoat anything. Everything that Hedera does is low-key extremely dark. And this film does try to kind of take the swinging 60s into into the 70s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think it does it very, very well. Like, I, I think that, like, I mean, and I don't think it's an accident that it's also a commentary on the free love hippies of the 60s. Because even though it's kind of siding with these kids, it's also like, kind of having its cake and eating it too because when Hedera is growing his power 
definitely look looks like he's doing bong rips. <laughs> yeah, that, that might have been a little uh, a little against the counterculture. Yeah, I mean, I, there, there's definitely that that vibe to yeah. it. Even the even though it's like an on environmentalist the film, it's certainly kind of like, well, but these kids were kind of a little too. <laughs> the the kids partying on the the beach you know towards towards the end yeah i don't know it feels like they were uh you know maybe talking down to them <laughs> but yeah no i, I, I do i, I agree I, do love... I also think it's weird that like when they're trying to like oh party it out before everything goes it feels like the wicker man <laughs> well it feels like there's that great scene in, in one of one of my favorites in gorgo where the the islanders throw the 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 torches at at gorgo <laughs> but it seems like uh, you know they they might have had a a shot at, i don't know whatever header is made from I, I was kind of i was low-key mad that like when they threw, started throwing the torches that like he didn't just like burst into flames yeah no but a couple of them get blasted with with goop <laughs> there's a lot of gooping scenes in this this film so, and um mm-hmm. i will say that one of the things that this film does and i mentioned it before is it does have these childlike asides either the animated segments yeah the animated segments that are either by dream or at one point they even make it like a a second grade assignment or a letter to like maybe a local local government or something and i i appreciated that aspect was like written by so and so second grade i i thought that was cool but how did you feel about the execution of these animated segments well because i've i feel like they didn't quite land some of them felt like they were in the film. Like, I think one of them was supposed to be like part of a news report showing about Hedera. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. others seem to be, yeah, like educational things that might help a child learn about it. There are some interesting concepts they were trying to get across to a young audience. And it made sense to, to add those in. They are a little jarring when you compare them to other kaiju movies at the time because you don't see anything like that there's a lot in this movie that you will not see anywhere else ever again including <laughs> man that poor cat that gets doused by <laughs> the hetero's yeah i was like they really just rubbed a a, a cat in mud <laughs> for this shot this terrible <laughs> director but besides that yeah there's as you mentioned just people dying <laughs> by Gedera's, Hedera's monstrous toxic odors and things. Some some very interesting aspects of the film. We were talking before we started recording about it, just how fast this movie kind of gets to a, a rip-roaring start mm-hmm. and yeah. continues on. And then does have some third act, maybe pacing issues, which, you know, if there was a, a steadier hand at the helm, would have been solved. And I think probably was for later editions of the championship series showing of these movies. Cause they, a lot of them got edited down to about an hour and some of them were done by Ashiro Honda himself. Uh, if you read his, the biography, I think an hour might've been a little too cut, but a good 75 minutes mm. would have probably helped this movie. Like, and I know that sounds weird cause we live in an era of two and a half movies being the norm now. But I mean, this movie's at a, at a crisp eighty-five minutes. This movie is no like there will be blood. But <laughs> yeah, we, we just get we get to the final kind of showdown. Yeah, you get the, you get to that last twenty-five minutes, and everything kind of slows down. Like, like narratively, everything kind of grinds to a halt. Yeah, yeah, because and that that's the finale, and it just I I feel like I mean I I say this very rarely. I could have used more of the human plot kind of interwoven in, mm-hmm. in that that final fight and yeah we, we haven't really talked too much about other aspects of the the plot or the characters including ken's father dr yeah, uh, toru yano who's also great akira yamushi plays dr toro there's no one really in the movie that doesn't do a, a pretty good job as no, far and every, as everything is i mean it's, it's weird because we, have, we haven't talked too much about the plot because everything kind of feels by the numbers i mean you have a scientist who is doing research and his son is involved and you know they they kind of discover hedera before anyone else and hedera becomes bigger and bigger and 
thousands of people, you know, die in Hedera's raids. And then Godzilla pops up as Ken is like, oh yeah, Godzilla is going to come clobber him, which I, I, I love that they use that word. I really clobber. do. I love that. Like, he's like, yeah, Godzilla's going to come clobber him. And I, it just, it, Ken, you are the best. I mean, it's, it's a simple versus film, but it's done so effectively. Like the way they show how mankind has ravaged our planet and how this creature, even though they, they do lean towards at one point the more alien side of it, which I wish they didn't. I wish they had just gone straight in all in on the fact that this is of our own doing. Yeah, well, it's because, definitely fed by our, our pollution and, and things like that, which is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's fed by it, but like, I, I, what keeps it from being a full masterpiece for me outside of like the, the third act problems is I wish this wasn't an alien issue. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they, they talk about like the basically the catalyst, the 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 subatomic catalyst for Hedera is of extraterrestrial in nature. And that I mean, yes, it makes a fun sci fi movie, but it does also veer it into the fantasy where it's like it would have been so much more interesting as in the original Gojira if this was of our own design. Yeah, and I I agree with you there. I so um, we get a lot of harrowing like sites of pollution, and then we get to see like what this pollution does to people in very similar scenes to, of Godzilla's raid on Tokyo initially, like of how like dark it gets. This movie has no issues showing what pollution will do to people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I wish it was just terrestrial in nature because I think it would have given. Instead of a very good period, an exclamation part, uh, exclamation point. There, there are some, sense. yes, there are some excellent aspects to, I would like to talk to and change the subject a little bit. The suitmation, and of course, we have uh, Haru Nakajima as, as Godzilla here, as well as uh, a couple other non-suit roles. He's done this before, but uh, you can actually catch him on screen as kind of supernumeraries in a few scenes. But yeah, I wanted to talk about Hedra as as a a, a monster played by uh, Kenpachiro Satsuma and he was great. Yeah, we're we're going to see him in more Godzilla movies after this. He had done As we as we should. I think he becomes Godzilla, doesn't he? In the in yes. the Heisei era? This is this is his first I think Toho monster suit. He had done some Subaraya productions for, for Ultraman around the, the same time. But yes, we're going to see a great deal more of him, but he, he does great as, as Hedera here. Hedera feels like a menacing bad guy. And, you know, there's so little to emote with in that suit. You've got your arms, your legs, and then these animatronic eyes and liquids and things that, that, shoot out of him um it it felt like a a a great villain right off the the bat yeah i i I def i definitely think the the monster suit work was excellent because this is a a character that's trying to do more and Mm -hmm. even though it's limited by its budget and that is clear in this movie of what they wanted to do they don't shy away from trying to do it anyway. Like there, there are some stuff where like, yeah, we just had to use some rubber. I mean, is what it is. They, and I mean, they it, do a great job with it to, to compare it to versus Z- Gamera versus Zigra had about three times the budget of that movie. But if you've read up a little bit about the production of this, um, Tanaka, Tomoyuki Tanaka, was a producer of this film, but was a little more hands off in the, the production. And they, they had run out of money fairly early on. So at some point, you know, they just kind of had to go hat in hand and they're asked for more, you know, get some advice on how to stretch things out a little bit. And maybe, maybe that's the origin of some of these, you know, <laughs> odd companion pieces and, animation and things like that there's there's a lot of rumors that yoshimitsu bano was banoed <laughs> he was banned from ever making another godzilla movie after this have, have you heard this before miles mm-hmm. uh yeah, i don't know I've, I've definitely heard this but i don't I, I, don't, I don't know how where it came from how how it started yeah uh, i mean he didn't direct another 
Godzilla film. He, he did, you know, work with with Toho after this, but he dispelled the rumors himself because he said that while Tanaka was a little angry about kind of budgetary things and maybe <laughs> Godzilla flying and, and, and the rest, he was that they, they solicited him to write another script for the next Godzilla movie and, and submit it. So, I mean, they were interested in moving forward. They obviously decided to go another route with versus Gigan, but yeah, he wasn't, it wasn't banned. This movie actually did pretty well. As far as the seventies Godzilla movies go, this was actually the second highest of those, I guess, five films, four or five films, um, right behind, I think the, the top grocer, was against Mechagodzilla. And for for the year this came out, 1971, this was, I think, Toho's second highest earning film as well for for the the year. And rightly so. This was great. When we have this to compare to... (laughs) Gamera vs. Zigra only came out one week before this. They both came out in the summer, July, summer of 1971, as part of, you know kind of the the festival time when kids are out of school and definitely both aimed towards children. But if you had the option <laughs> between this and Gamera versus Zigra, I mean, there's, there's no, <laughs> there's I'm, I'm no going competition really. All yeah. day long. <laughs> yep. Indeed. do. We, we've talked a little bit about the production of this film. We don't have as, as much, to to dig into as as far as that is there is there any tidbits about the making of this movie or or anything else you wanted to to mention there's so much different about this film i mean we could have a entire chart what's on- what's <laughs> wild to me I, I will say this i it almost feels like a heisei movie oh yeah i've got i've got that in my notes it is well ahead of its time what in what aspect do you think i think in the degree it, it in the degree of seriousness, it takes the character and its concept mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because in the Heisei era, like everything feels, I mean, yes, it, it's a little darker. It's a little grimmer, but like everything feels like it's taking everything seriously. There's no winking. It's, it's all, it's not fun and games. Even if there's a child involved, it's all done serious. And this movie is very, very close to that. It's, because of the the anime the animated asides and kind of the there is almost a you're watching this at school type of situation with some <laughs> of it um i don't i don't know if anyone listening like ever had to watch these kind of things when they were in class but this is this is somewhat similar and not in a bad way because it it does so in such an there's there is a way that it delivers its message that is unlike anything I think that the franchise has done again. Like I said, in the in, since 1954, yeah. And the the Heisei era does something very similar, especially versus Biollante, which we will talk about mm-hmm. uh, in in terms of being a, a superlative Godzilla film in the future. There's, there's so much that reminds me, indeed, of Biollante. Is you know he's got multiple stages like that monster. Yeah, and- multiple stages. It's talking about things that are happening in real life, socio mm-hmm. and political. And yeah, th- I mean, this film does a lot. I mean, it's it's its biggest problem is how it handles its characters through the third act, where it kind of just it stalls, it, it kind of spins its wheels for a little bit, and that's what causes the movie to kind of go off the rails a little bit, which is which is a bummer, honestly, because this film, frankly, is almost a masterpiece. And there's so much rich history behind it. I think we might have mentioned it on a, a prior podcast, but this is the movie in which. Ken Pachiro Satsuma, who was Hedera, found out that he was immune to painkillers. They he had a acute appendicitis while uh, mm, I don't think they were mm-hmm. filming. They they were they were promoting to, but he was in suit and they they had to operate him in in the suit <laughs> at least partially before they were able to to take him out. And and he he found that out that they they had to operate and and knock him out with supposedly with chloroform. 
a legend for sure in the kaiju zoomation. I, I want to talk about some of the other technical kind of aspects of the the film. Subaraya had passed away the year before, but this film, the special effects designer was uh, Teriyoshi Nakano, and I think that, that I mean, in a film with so many new faces behind the camera. I think he did a great job. It looks very different from every other Godzilla movie that we've we've seen. It is a little darker, both literally and figuratively. It, most of these fights are taking place in a like a nighttime set, and I do think that helps to kind of change the the feel of the the film. You can see Godzilla bleeding, which is not something that Subaraya was interested in in doing before, and which we'll, so, we'll get a lot more of in Heisei Godzilla. I want to say we don't see him technically bleed, mm-hmm. because I believe the, as far as I, I'm aware, the official monster that made Godzilla bleed is Gigan. Right, right. I... I, I, I I don't know if we're splitting hairs here. The, the we, I mean, look I, like I'm 100% splitting hairs. It does look like he I, takes I th- damage I at the very end of the movie. No, he, he absolutely takes damage. And I mean, like he's losing an eye and all this stuff. But I, I feel like we don't see him actively bleed. Mm. Like, I, I don't know if this it's something like, oh, he doesn't bleed because of actual damage or something. But from what I have accumulated... <laughs> Gigan is the first monster to actively make Godzilla bleed in a fight. They definitely go bloodier in the next few films than than what we've gotten here. Yeah, I mean, there's, he's there's, certainly I mean, he's certainly he's got his Harvey Dent going on for sure. You know, yeah, there's there's blood and, you know, he's been like burned with acid. They they do a lot of crazy stuff to the Godzilla suit in this this movie in general. But the other aspect I really want to talk to you about was Richiro Manabe, who did the score for this movie and for versus versus Megalon. So I I was kind of into it. Like I I was a little bummed not to hear the Godzilla score. But I mean at the same time, Godzilla still had a musical entrance each time. Like that we understood, oh, that that's Godzilla's song. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Godzilla song. But he had something that was notating, oh, this is this is him, as if to say, oh, here's your hero. And oh, I think that was an interesting change in the series. Yeah. When Godzilla shows up in front of the, the setting sun to the, the new intro music for him, it's it definitely it feels like the start of a new era of Godzilla movies. And it, it really is. I love it. I listen to that track yeah, I'm, all I'm into the time. It. The soundtrack is odd in places, but that, you know, origin or um, opening song for for Godzilla is great. There's some original uh, songs with lyrics in the movie as well. Uh, the the Save the Earth or Return the Sun song performed by Mary Keiko in the, the club <laughs> was, uh, was something else. It's, it's once again, just feels a little less like a Godzilla movie, a little more like some of the other trippy 60s kaiju films that that we've gotten even ashira honda had you know with uh war of the gargantuas and 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 other other films you know frankenstein conquers the world some interesting soundtrack choices for sure and yeah i, I was fine not hearing i don't think every movie needs the the same godzilla march you know well so i mean i I agree with you, but at the same time, like when something's become kind of your theme song, <laughs> you always want to hear that. Like, I always want to hear, like, regardless of what's going on, I want to hear John Williams score for Superman or mm. um, Danny Elfman's Batman theme. Like, I, I, I associate these iconic things with those iconic characters. So to some degree... I disagree, but at the same time, I think that Manabe did such a good job of what what he was doing in lightening Godzilla's score up a little bit that I mean, yeah, you can you can you can change things around. It's, there's there's nothing wrong with that. Did you have a favorite scene in the movie or something that that really stood out that made you you love this film? I mean, there there is a there there is that scene where like Godzilla like clearly knows that 
the humans are supposed to be powering these electrodes and they <laughs> fail to. And they're, they're, the camera moves to the humans and then Godzilla's face and Godzilla kind of has this like daddy look that you, it's, it's perfect. It's absolutely the exasperated parental, like the kids are messing up again. <laughs> look to Godzilla is phenomenal. <laughs> also, any fight with Hedera just is, amazing yeah there's a part where it's one of my favorites uh, hetero like throws godzilla into a shallow grave and fills him with his muck just like buries him <laughs> in his own affluence uh his own offal if you will the goop that he he spits out it's disgusting and i was surprised they did that to the godzilla suit this one the uh, we we haven't talked about the the suit for this movie, but this is one of the first films where you can start to tell bits and pieces are kind of flaking off of the the suit. <laughs> maybe maybe it's it's lessened by the fact that this was shot at night, but <laughs> every once in a while you can see, and it's going to happen more and more <laughs> during the nineteen seventies. The uh, the Godzilla suit looks pretty rough in 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 parts. Should we get to our rating for this film? Let's do it. Have we, have we chatted it up enough, the, the history of this this awesome movie? Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what you feel about it. Because I think, I mean, growing up, this movie was consistently made fun of as, oh, this is, this is why you don't take the Godzilla series seriously. And this movie is Godzilla versus a smog monster. Lols. And I don't, I don't understand why people didn't understand this film because I, I think it's kind of a masterpiece. I think it's one of the most legitimate sequels to a Godzilla film since, I mean, honestly, it's the most legitimate Godzilla film since 1954's Gojira. And if it wasn't for that really awkwardly paced third act, it would be a near perfect movie for me. Mm -hmm. Like I'm giving this a nine out of 10. I think this movie has amazing monster action. It has a phenomenal message. It goes back to the whole concept of what we're doing to this planet and us mucking with things is making things worse. I mean, this is just, this is a top tier Godzilla film. There's there's no way around it. This is this is a phenomenal kaiju film. Yeah, no, if we <laughs> we stomped on every kaiju film that just had some pacing issues here and there, there would definitely be no no perfect scores. I No, but th this movie does drag a lot in the third act. Yeah, yeah, it is a a major, you know, kind of long fight sequence that that did have some ups and downs, but yeah, you're you're ready for it to be over by by the end, or you know, kind of you know, this this one is one of the few, very few Godzilla movies where he doesn't have an ally. If if maybe Andrew yeah, showed up and yeah, or some someone else, if if one of those monsters had been destroyed by Hedera, that that could have given the big G <laughs> maybe a little. A little less screen time, but a little more reason to to hate this monster. I uh, I think I originally was giving this a an eight out of ten. I'm bumping my score up to a nine out of ten on oh, our enjoyment scale. That's an exceptional movie. It it's definitely not my favorite Godzilla movie. It's pr it's probably gonna be my favorite of the 1970s. I do enjoy the campiness of of all of these, but. This one's really high up there. I <laughs> there's a a good amount that I can rewatch in this movie. It's very often cited as one of the worst Godzilla movies, which doesn't make any sense to me. No, really. it, I, I I think anyone anyone who tells you this is one of the worst Godzilla movies hasn't watched Godzilla well, movies. I, I, no, I I feel like it is the most different of the show yeah, era it's films. Different. If that's how, you know, one of your, your matrixes of like, oh, well, it's not really like the other movies. Maybe some of the oddball parts of it can detract for, for some people. But yeah, I really did enjoy it. Now, for the technical aspect, there are a lot that, that worked in this movie. It was very striking design for, for Hedera. I think the direction 
was was really great. Some of the set pieces were very lacking, though. I could have used some more building destruction. The entirety of the finale was lackluster, you know, in, in where it was set. I did like that it was shot at night, though. You know, some of the best nighttime kaiju battles since the 1950s Gojira movies. And both uh, Kimpachiro and Haru are doing great work in their respective suits. Yeah, so something new in Godzilla Land for, for a script as well, and a script that is ahead of its time. So I think I'm ready to bump this one up in its technical aspects to a 10 out of 10, a pretty darn exemplary example of a a technical achievement. We, we would call that a masterpiece in our, our rating scale here. I don't know if you agree, Miles, but I think it's up there as far as definitely the Showa era movies goes. No, I agree. I think that, yes, there are some set pieces that are kind of lacking, and I think that the script does lag a little in the third act. However, I think... Yeah, the nighttime battles are really amazing. I think it absolutely nails its environmentalist objective. I think the monster is extremely interesting and exceptionally, like, I mean, conceived and executed. I think the kid is great. I think that all of the actors showed up for what they needed to do. And I think the script was, you know, justifiably weird. It's a weird script. I mean, even when characters who are apparently drunk at a club and you're not really sure what they're doing because <laughs> they looked exasperated at something and then they're fine the next minute. It it, it it's the seventies. It's whatever. It, well, and we did mention it is a a god or a um Ishiro Honda collaborator that helped write the script with Bano uh, Karu Mabuchi, who did all the weird Toho uh, non Godzilla movies, Frankenstein versus. Conquers the world, uh, War of the Gargantuas, King Kong escapes, but also so this is his, this is his best movie. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I really think that there's so much about this film that works. That the, I mean, honestly, my only criticism of this movie is that the script does lag in the third act. It just the pacing just grinds to a halt in areas, and for whatever reason. I, I don't know if they were like worried about runtime or what. Everything just kind of runs in a cycle. That said, everything else is so good. And the movie is so enjoyable for so much of its runtime that like I can't help but give it a 9 out of 10. Mm. So pr still pretty high up there for you. What about where it sits as an evocative kind of piece of art in the, the kaiju uh, sphere? People are not going to like me for this. 10 out of 10. I think this is exactly what kaiju art needs to do. Mm -hmm. I think this feels like a real sequel to 1954's Gojira. And this movie does have an evocative history. I mean, everyone knows, at least here, as the smog monster. This movie has a reputation. And good or bad doesn't matter. It's still evocative as a piece of art. But my thing is, like, if you watch the Japanese original, like, you can't help but see what the filmmakers are trying to convey to its audience. And I think they do so in expert fashion. This is so close to being a masterpiece of mm -hmm. kaiju cinema that I, I mean, it blows me away. Like, this is a movie that I grew up thinking like, oh, this is, this is a low mark in Godzilla history. And the exact opposite is true. This, this is one of the best Godzilla films of the Showa era. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would have stood apart as one of the best movies of the Heisei <laughs> series of films if it had been a part of that. If they had just kept this script for 20 years, this was great. This was a great film. It is very ahead of its time. It is one of the best Godzilla versus another monster films for me. And yeah, it, it maybe it wasn't very evocative of the show errors, but it was advanced in so many ways. And it added so much, I think, to Godzilla that I'm also giving it a 10 out of 10 for, for where this stands as a, as a piece Ooh, snap. of kaiju art. So, uh, good news and bad news. I, that does raise my adjusted score up to a 10, but you're still at a nine for this. Mm -hmm. 
and our podcast final that makes it a a nine out of ten. Does it? It does. Yes, we we, we either someone has to give it a perfect score, or uh, we both have to be high on the nines for for it to to get a a full ten. And you didn't do that, Miles. <laughs> I thought we were in agreement here, but I mean, honestly, if the third act so had good. not slowed down so much, my personal joy would have been a ten out of ten. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm a bit interested because I think the the Godzilla versus the Smog monster version of the film does cut some of the runtime. I did not watch it for for this review. Yeah, but, but I wonder if it keeps the the message of the movie. I, I haven't watched that version of the movie in so long. <laughs> it would be wild if that's like that's what gives you Godzilla versus the Smog monster. This is this is. An exceptional kaiju film. I I highly recommend anyone. I mean, it's on HBO Max right now. You can watch it in the original mm-hmm. Japanese. I highly recommend you checking this one out because it is a tremendous kaiju film. It's it's certainly one of the best of the the Godzilla Showa era sequels. Even though I might like some movies more, this this really feels so in line with Ishiro Honda's 1954 film that I, yeah, I, I can't help but think that Honda was a fan of this movie. No, I don't think he, <laughs> I don't know if he, he was or not, but he, like I said, did work, I think on cutting this for, for the championship film series. I, I did just I look mean, it up. I mean, this, this movie didn't be cut. I, I, I agree with him there, but uh, like it, the, it has the U S some... release did not cut footage from, from the film, maybe because it was already under an hour 30, but did replace the Japanese song with a English lyric version of it. Supposedly this was initially rated PG, the movie PG, but got re-rated to a G a general audiences. Ooh. After after the amount of on screen kaiju bloody guts and destruction <laughs> and things like that, I I, I, just, I I feel this is so in step with with Honda's first film that like it's it's the first Godzilla film other than maybe the Mothra film that yeah that feels that feels in line with what the message of the first film was and mm-hmm. I'm 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 really into that I like I said I I like when Godzilla's monsters get weird. And we certainly get weird from from here. Um, <laughs> so I'm I'm excited to see where we go next. And and where is that, Patrick? Well, if if you want to follow us and, and get ready for our next week episode, you can see our letterbox account online for Kaiju versus history. See what we've rated movies in the past and what we are going to watch in the future as well as find out on our Twitter at Kaiju versus history or on our website. But if you're listening to this right now, a week from now, we are, believe it or not, miles, we are back to yet another Godzilla film. Yes. <laughs> Two back to back, baby. And one that I love very dearly. It is, it is something that has not happened since the original Gojira and Godzilla raids again, two back to back Godzilla films. Yeah, we have more of the Amazing Championship series of Showa-era films to come. We've got a brand new enemy, as well as a classic foe, and a Star Wars ally. Something that maybe this movie could have used. But tune in next time for History versus Godzilla versus Gigan. 